You're listening to the Paul Hutchings Podcast, brought to you by paulhutchings.net, teaching you to be free through principle-centered lessons on personal development, online marketing, and financial literacy. Today, my friends, I'm so excited. We are in for a very special treat. Let me go ahead and get right into the introduction. Today, I have the opportunity, the privilege, the pleasure to introduce and interview the great Tim Edwards. Tim Edwards is a serial entrepreneur who became a millionaire at 29. He went on to become a multiple seven-figure earner in three different businesses, including both network marketing and traditional business. Like many, Tim struggled when he first got started, advancing just one rank his first three and a half years in network marketing. He finally hit his groove and went on to build the number one sponsoring team in a multi-billion dollar company with roughly one million reps. He stayed with his first company for almost two decades, semi-retiring twice. After being off the better part of a decade, he decided to become an industry coach because he loves mentoring, went on to serve 200 clients worldwide from almost all the major brands. They say once you get bit by the bug, you can't get it out of your blood, and this has certainly proven true for Tim. Being around the energy and helping leaders rank and get cars, trips, etc., the business got back in his blood and he felt called to do one last run and now serves as the master distributor for a worldwide network marketing company. So let's go ahead and bring on Mr. Tim Edwards. Tim, how are you doing today? What's up, man? It's great hey. to be here with you. Thank you so much for doing this. I know you're a super busy guy, and I am just so honored that you're taking some time to you know, be with me today and in and, uh, and our audience. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Awesome. Well, uh, let's go ahead and uh, you know, get into the number one thing that I want to hear about, which is you and your story. You know, take take us take us all the way back. You know, take us yeah. back to when you were a kid. You know, did were, yeah. were you raised by entrepreneurial parents? Like, to, you know, tell us about you and your journey. Yeah, it was interesting because uh, my dad took on entrepreneurship when I was little in a in a kind of a small way. He had a a job where he worked driving a, a forklift, loading trucks. But in the evenings, he would uh, do do lawn mowing, you know, and he had a, la- a landscape business. And so I would help him mow yards, you know, starting at five years old. The big yards, we'd have this riding lawnmower, and he'd set me on it and turn it on. And I would just start at the perimeter and just mow the whole yard uh, while he was doing the, the edging and the weed eating and, and, the, and the shrubs. And I couldn't even touch the pedals. So whenever I got done, I would yell, I was done. He would have to come stop it. <laughs> I couldn't reach the brake. <laughs> So started off making money at five, uh, ended up uh, uh, having my own lawn care business in, in elementary school because I'm I'm kind of a perfectionist. My mom kind of kind of drilled that into me. And so we had a corner lot. And uh, and so our yard was perfect. And so everybody on that drove by wanted me to do their yard. So that's how I kind of got into the to the uh, lawn, lawn mowing business. And uh, so I made quite a bit of money as a kid. And, uh, and then my dad opened up a car business. I started uh, with him at 17 then opened up my own business at uh, 26, a solo business. And uh, what was interesting during that, during uh, that business, uh, I got approached with network marketing. And of course, you know, I had a business with 5,000 clients and, and I was on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'd been five years with no vacations. I mean, I was wow. And uh, I had a five-year-old daughter that was born the same year as the business that I really didn't know because I left. It was dark. She was asleep. I got home at night. She was asleep. 
And the stress, uh, I had heart palpitations in my late 20s, early 30s. I mean, because I was on call all night. So I literally, this is back, this, this will date me because I'm kind of a geezer. But uh, but back in the pager beeper days, you know, I would actually sleep on a pager uh, with this this delivery company that I had. And every hour and a half, all night long, Xerox, which was my biggest client, would call for a delivery. It would be going to a major law firm or something like that. It was really, really critical. And, uh, and I couldn't delegate that. I had to make sure I took the call and make sure somebody was awake and went and got it. Right. So I get woken up every hour and a half all night long. And then I would get up at 345, be at the office at six, work till eight and then come home and be on call all night long again. I did that for almost five years. Wow. And, uh, slept on the couch. So I wouldn't wake up my wife and my and my young daughter. And so it was just uh, it was it was a it was a stress pot. And so when I when I looked at uh, network marketing, I didn't want to look because I was super busy. So I had this young brother-in-law who I didn't really know. He was new in the family. And I kind of had this thing for salespeople. I just, you know, people would always call my office and try to get me to you know, buy stuff. And it was like, they always wanted to sell me stuff that I didn't want and didn't need so they could make a commission. So I had this mm. negative concept on salespeople and he was a sales guy. And so he's, and he was new in the family. So I just like, mm, you know, he said, why don't you do this on the side? You know, I said, what? I'm working 90 hours a week. There's no side. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, you know, they come over one, one Friday night to eat dinner and I'm just a mess from the week. I'm just completely zapped and I could tell something's on his mind. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to ask me about this video again. Cause he called me every day for 17 days in a row <laughs> to watch this video. And I said, no, I'm not interested. So, so he's sitting there. I said, well, and he kept calling. You said you yeah. weren't interested, but he kept calling. Yeah. He kept going. He knew I had a work ethic. Right. And I was an entrepreneur. So he just didn't stop. So so basically, I just said, how long is the video? He says, 15 minutes. I said, well, when we get done, I'm going to watch it. I'm thinking, I'm going to get rid of this guy once and for all. I'm going to watch this video and be done. And so uh, I start watching this video. And uh, the great Mark Yarnell, who was my upline, uh, who a lot of people know in the industry, was on doing a presentation. He was talking about you know, no commute, you know, no office, and no receivables, and no employees, and all the things I hated, right? Mm. And, then he, and, then, uh, and then he walked out this, this wrought iron gate. And, uh, and he was on the fairway of a golf course. And I grew up on the golf course. And I'm thinking, oh, where's this business been my whole life, you know? And it was just, it was instant. And I literally hit pause on the, uh, on the, on the recorder and stopped the video like seven minutes into a 15-minute video. And my brother-in-law thought I was going to like punch him or something. Probably. I said, uh, said I'm going to do, do some homework. If this is real, if this is true, my business is for sale tomorrow. Because I wanted that life. I wanted the freedom mm -hmm. of, of being home with my family and homeschooling your kids. And these guys were taking four and five vacations a year and they lived on a golf course, you know. And, you know, I, 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 I don't tell this story too often, but I had a stepson at the time that I took off one half of one day to watch him play in a golf tournament. And that day I lost a $10,000 a month account that I worked three years to get. Oh my gosh. Because I had no leverage. I had no, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't leave my business without it falling apart. You know, and, and God forbid, if I get hit by a truck or something, it's over. You know, I mean, because you, your business, you, you are the business. And so when I saw this leverage and I understood that you could do something and, you know, work hard and build up a network and over time have a recurring income without the office, without the employees and have the time that you wanted, I was instantly in, you know. And so I, I met some guys locally. I flew up and, and, and toured the facilities. You know, when I got back home, my business was for sale. And nine months later, it sold. And uh, the rest is history. I've been full-time ever since. 
Wow. <clears throat> One of the things that I love about your story is that a lot of times people are hesitant to approach those who they would perceive as successful, yep. you know, like they're, oh, they're living the American dream. They're an entrepreneur. They got this big business. They're, they're living the life. And it's not always the case, right? That, 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 that is, that, that is the case because as you mentioned, traditional businesses bring with them, you know, their own set of challenges. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. In business, the more you make, the more responsibility you have, the less time you have. And you get on that treadmill and you can't get off. And so yeah. even if someone has a really successful lifestyle, I mean, it's all about this quarter. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's got to make, you know, it's, there's always challenges in business. I had, you you're going to kick out of this. I, I was back in the days before the internet, right? I cold called this guy to, to, to prospect him about the business. He said, uh, he said, I've got like a seven bedroom house. I drive a Bentley. Why do I need your business? I said, uh, I said, Last time you went on vacation, how many, times, how many vacations do you take? He said, I take a few. I said, have you ever had something happen when you're on vacation at your business? He said, I can't believe you asked me that. He said, the last time I was on a trip, I had this, this factory and, and, and someone got killed on the job. I was like, oh, my gosh. I said, so, so I said, so here's the difference. I said, you have money, but you will never have freedom. Wow. And he, he, he was in my house at 15 minutes to look at the business. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. <laughs> what a great story. Yeah. Holy cow. So yeah. you're So you put your business up for sale. Uh -huh. And then from what I know about your story, you still, you kind of had a challenge in network marketing for the first three years. So what happens? Like you oh, sell your successful God. business. Now you're in network marketing. It's not working. Tell us about that. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting business because, you know, I'm an introvert. I'm the quiet type. I blame it on my, my, my mom because I was, grounded most of my adolescent life. I was kind of mischievous. So I'm in my room by myself. She wouldn't let me play on the sports teams. My parents moved three times in the first couple of years of school. So I was kind of an introvert and always the new kid in school and grounded most of the time. So I couldn't go out and play or play. So, so it became the quiet type, right? So in business, I always hired people to call people and hired people to sell and hired people to collect. And I was kind of like the Oz behind the curtain, making it work. Mm. And all of a sudden I sell the business and I go, holy crap, I don't know how to talk to people. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd turn down every phone call on the planet because it was always somebody trying to sell me something. So I had to reinvent myself. You know, I had to just start off, you know, talking to people and finding ways to get information in front of people so I could create conversations. You know, because, you know, until you can interact with somebody and have a conversation, you can't learn. So it was all about just getting out and getting conversations. And I was the worst on the planet. I mean, I did, you know, I ranked one time in three and a half years. Uh, it was terrible. You know, I made, I made, uh, in the first three years, I made what I made in my traditional business in three weeks. Oh, wow. So I, I worked, it took three years to make three weeks income. Did you know that was going to happen? Did you kind of have a cushion? Did you have like, yeah, you I, know? Had, I had a little bit of a cushion, Yeah. but it was still, you know, I still, you know, I had my house was paid for, but you'll, you'll, you'll love this story too. I, re, I had to refinance my house five times. To what? Four to of them to, to pull cash out. The fifth time it had taken off and I finally did well and I had a tax problem. Oh my gosh. Showed so much taxes. So, but I was committed to do whatever it took. I don't suggest that to people. Yeah. I was in it. It was, uh, I, I kept saying, I, you know, and I always tell people that, you know, God's not through with you yet. Right. So whatever you're facing, you know, because that's what I kept telling myself, you know, Tim, God's not through with you yet. Just keep going. You know, it's, it's going to work. So I have tremendous amount of faith 
And uh, once I saw the lifestyle these guys had, I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to die trying, period. You burned your ships. Yep. You were all in. Yep. So what was the uh, what was the turnaround from, you know, three years of not doing as well as you wanted to, you know, starting to having everything click? Was there like one well, thing or some kind of breakthrough? It was a combination of things. You know, I, I, I'm I'm relentless about mindset, you know, and visualizations and preparing yourself for your day. Um, you know, in business, you always have a little process, I have a little process I went through in the mornings. And, you know, so I just made myself. You know, and back in those days, there was no Internet. There was no social media. So you had to you had to either call people on the phone or you had to chase them around Walmart. <laughs> so, well, there's really no other way to, to meet people. You know, it's either interacting with people or calling people. Uh-huh. So I decided, you know, and I tried the, you know, interacting with people and it was just brutal. So I said, I'm just going to call people because at least if it goes south, I can just hang up and they'll never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so I got, I got pretty good at calling and just talking to people and just talking about, you know, because I'm a business, I was a business owner. So I did have that little, that little insight that I could talk to people. So, you know, I, I said, I know, I know what you're going through as a business owner. You know, your, your employees drive you crazy. You've got overhead, you know, you've got, you know, competition, you know, the people that you want to work for you that they're really good, you can't pay them enough. So, so you can't get them, you know, if you pay them a lot, you know, you can't make any profit, you know, and if, and, and, and the really good people typically learn your business and go start their own. You, you, you yeah. train people to be your competition. So I said, I said, you, I said, the thing is, is that you'll never be free. You know, and I would ask people, you know, you know, how important is it for you to be done at some point? Do you, can you see yourself doing what you're doing from now on? Right. And not being done. And that, so I, I worked on that and, and you, you know, and if you talk to enough people, you're going to find people that are unhappy and don't want to be where they are and don't want to keep doing what they're doing. And so that's really kind of the only secret. I kept thinking it was the words that would make people do things. So I, mm. I was relentless about writing scripts. I mean, those those legal pads, I still got them, those legal pads, you know, uh, but I don't use them for what I used to do. But 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 I would write scripts and try to make it. You know, I figured if I said the perfect thing, everybody would say yes. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't it. It, it was really more about timing. You know, if you call people, uh, and I learned this from a guy that came to my house one time. He's he was in he was in direct mail back in the days when you you know if you used to get those coupon books in the mail that would have like like fifty coupons to clean your ducks to paint your house or whatever. He said, Tim. He said, you know, the reason they send ten thousand of those out is says it doesn't matter what the offer is, is that two percent are going to respond. Mm. And that hit me. It's like, oh my god, you know, it's just about getting more information out. Because if somebody's ready, if they hate their job, they've been laid off, their business is eating their guts out. If the timing is right, people are going to look, you know, and the timing's not right. They're not going to look. It doesn't matter what you say. Right. I mean, you may, you may have influence with them, take a look, but the timing of their in their life is what's going to make people do the deal. Not Absolutely. Your, what you say. Yeah. And have you ever asked someone to look that said no, but then you went back to later that said yes? Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> really funny is that I had this, I was, I, I ended up uh, calling businesses in, in, in like 15 minutes from my house so people could come to a presentation, right? Because this is, in, again, pre-internet. And so I would call through the same zip codes and it would take about six months to call through the zip codes. And I would have people actually remember me and say, ah, you know, you've called me like, like three times now. You're still in this uh, and, and obviously it's going well. So I'm going to come look now. 
Wow. So you were using the phone and then you were also using live presentations, one-on-one -on -one interactive presentations. Yeah, face this, is free, this is free internet. I mean, cell phones, cell phones weren't even out, you know, so mm -hmm. it, you had to, you had to get out and meet people or you had to call people uh, mm. until, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands. And then you went from having your breakthrough to developing like a team system that then turned your team into the, like the number one recruiting team in the entire company. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very good at systemizing things mm -hmm. uh, from, from business. And so I, and I, and I've seen stats before and you've probably seen this before that 94% of, of people failing is the system, you know, and not the person. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if, if you're especially in corporate America. So so I, I set out to teach people, you know, approaches and then everybody would watch the same presentation and we'd have a little interview that we'd ask them a few questions. So everything was very systemized where people mm -hmm. could get very good at it with repetition. And because the, one of the one of the hardest things for people is, that, what do I say? Yeah. What do I do next? What's after that? What if this happens? So you, you if you have a little flow that, you know, that you, you've got a. a a, B, C, D, you know, that they can follow, you know, and they can just get good at that. And they really, and you teach them, you know, if you just get good at this, X number of people are going to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it doesn't really matter. Right. So you got to get out of all the no's and just focus on the process. Right. I love it. One yeah. of the questions that I wanted to ask you regarding systems is that it seems that everyone wants to systematize and everyone wants to systematize everything. And it's, and it seems to me that there are a category of things that are good to systematize. And then maybe some things that you don't want to systematize. Has that been your perception? And, and if so, what are good things to systematize and what are things that are not good to systematize? Well, I mean, if you get, if you if you micromanage too many things, it makes people feel restrained and it makes people feel like they can't have a personality. Mm. So you, you you can you can only give them a path to go on, you know, as what I've found after 30 years now, you know, because and, and, and I had this interesting aha moment one time. That one of the things that got me off of trying to write the perfect script is that I had this. This is back in the teleconference days where you'd, you'd call in, you'd be. 500,000 people call in and they, and we always taught people, you know, introduce yourself and, and say where you're from. And so mm. they, oh, I'm Tim, this is Tim in Dallas, you know, and you know, whatever. Yeah. So I had this guy on my team that was this DJ and he had this booming voice, great voice. And when he'd come on and introduce himself, but like, Oh man, if I had that voice, I could just kill it. <laughs> you know? And so and I had this girl that was uh, very withdrawn. I, I, I would say she's more the librarian type. Uh, mm -hmm. a CPA behind the, the in the cubicle crunching numbers. So not this booming voice. Right. And, uh, and so I, we had this contest in our company and I was working with both of these guys and the quiet girl won the national contest for sponsoring. Wow. And the DJ didn't really do anything. And that made me think what the heck is going on here. Right. And, uh, and it dawned on me that, you know, people worry so much about how they sound and, oh, my voice is not great or I've got this accent or, you know, I'm young or I'm old, whatever. And what, what dawned on me is that when, when people would say something, if you don't feel it, it doesn't work. So belief and passion is not audible, right? You, you can't just say something and it hit people. If, but when you say something, if you feel it, they feel it. 
Mm. It dawned on me that the process I had taught the girl, she felt it and she believed it. So people acted on it, even though she didn't sound like this incredible DJ. And Mm. so she got results from belief and he would just try to do that voice. And there was no belief behind it. He didn't believe what he was saying. He didn't believe he could Mm. do it. So he got Mm. no so, it's kind of like Zig Ziglar's famous quote, sales is not a thing in the world, but a transference of feeling. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you got to give people a path to run on, but they got to feel it, you know, and because so people that you'll have people that will do the, exactly the same thing and succeed and people do that exact same thing and fail. And 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 if you're if you can't figure out why, that's it. That's it. That's, yep. the, that's the belief. So you put together some systems. Were you guys doing any internet lead generation or just all kind of like warm yeah, market, we, cold market? Yeah, we were probably the first team to go on the internet. Uh, I had a partner and we, uh, we had a tech team and we built a system uh, and integrated it with a lead source in 1998. Wow. So we, because we, I was tired of doing meetings, right? I'd done, I tech. Yeah. I had done 5,000 meetings since I'd started. And I said, I am so tired of doing meetings. <laughs> 5,000 meetings? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're doing, you're doing, you're doing meetings like all day, every day for yourself, you're doing yeah. meetings for your team and you're traveling and doing meetings for your team and other places. I mean, if you do that for years, it adds up pretty quick if you're doing yeah. five a day, you know? Yeah. So, so basically I said, that I want to, want being an entrepreneur, when the internet came out, I said, I want to figure out a system, a way to centralize this where I can stop traveling and have a life. Mm. You know, it doesn't do any good to have a home-based business if you're never home, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> and pre-internet, you had to travel. You had to go do meetings and houses and hotels and other cities and other countries. And so I wanted to bring it to the internet. So that's why we went out and did this presentation. So I, I recorded the presentation and put some scripts together and put a follow-up script together and, you know, and got on and taught people to use it. You know, how to approach people, calling people they knew, calling leads, sending to a presentation, following up. So that it was very systemized. And we mm-hmm. did start that in 98 and, uh, and we put on tens of thousands of people without meetings. Without meetings. And, and how, done that. How, the, the, <laughs> I think this is great because like sometimes on the internet, you see these messages like, are you sick of meetings? Stop doing business <laughs> like your upline in 1990, you know, or whatever. And it's no. like, yeah, you do, were doing that in the nineties, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the, these are not. Yeah. So I, I think that's funny. Um, how about like cohesiveness? So when you moved your team to the internet or to where you're doing most of your recruiting and stuff on the internet, um, did you have like a weekly conference call? Of course okay. you had company events. Like you still kind of have to have something where you're yeah. so, bringing people out. Yeah. Yeah, so we had teleconference calls that were weekly. Obviously, we would do three-way back then. You had to do three-way calls, so we do three-way calls with our team all day, every day. We do conference calls for the team, and what we'd also do is we had an event every three months. And so we, you know, and the team got so big that corporate actually came to Dallas to to do our events with us, and we went to corporate one time a year. But we'd fill up the biggest hotel in Dallas and uh, and use their ballroom once every three months, and we'd bring everybody in. And so, and everybody would get to know each other and hang out and stay up till three o'clock and talk to each other and fall in love with the team. You know, mm-hmm. so you, you, you built that, that cohesiveness and that culture. And then we'd have contests for three months building up to the next event. And you bring all the new people back to the event. Again, everybody meets everybody, falls in love. You know, you go back and you have another contest. So we recruited from event to event to event. And what was your first big, like exciting win memory that you, that you can remember from this, from this time frame. 
You know, probably the number one memory. I mean, obviously, if, when you work with a lot of people, you have a lot of great memories. But I had this one one girl that uh, that I met in Houston back when I was traveling. So I was, you know, I was going to Houston every week for a while building this team. And this was a a, a young woman that uh, was kind of in the back of the room the whole time, but uh, but then decided, you know, she ended up getting a divorce. And uh, and she her husband uh, she was going to get the house, but she couldn't afford the house without her husband's income. And so she had uh, she had a, a small child at the time, and uh, and and she said, "What should I do?" I said, "Well, let's work on it first, right? Don't make a knee jerk uh, decision. Let's work on it first and see what happens." Because she had some cushion, and so we worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. And she was so broke that all she could afford to eat was Cheerios. But she, her and her, she, her and her child ate Cheerios pretty much all day. Wow. And then we finally get her to the top of the company and she goes out to pay cash for her first Mercedes. And she takes a picture with her, her child there with a box of Cheerios. No way. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I love that. You know, when I asked that question, I was kind of waiting for you to come out and tell us when you bought your first Lamborghini no. or when you did this and that, you know? So I just think that's so cool, you know, that your memory was from this lady, you know, help, helping someone, helping yeah. someone, you know, uh, step into that success. That That is so great. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Um, uh, so one other question I have is working with people, working with your team, what are some tips you have for, uh, you know, being a good mentor, helping people get started right and, and win? Well, you know, it's all about staying connected to people, right? I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a lot of people that, that aren't really have, and this isn't a bad thing, right? You need salespeople, right? And you need mentors, just like you need athletes. Like you see an athlete, sometimes it's kind of selfish and they're kind of, they're kind of uh, braggadocious on TV. They just want to mm-hmm. score and they want to be, you know, so you have to have people to score, right? Uh, or you can't win. But you also have to have those people that are team oriented and, and coach oriented, right? And so I always teach people that, that you know, spend time with people, especially early on, because everybody's nervous. Everybody's, did I make the right decision? What are my friends going to think? You know, or maybe they've tried something like this before. And so you got to stay close to people and build that relationship because people only stay in the business for two reasons, money and, and, and relationships. And the money doesn't usually come early. So you better build the relationship quick and make it solid or everybody leaves. So you got to build a relationship. And, and, and I used to tell people, so look, you gotta, you gotta run on my belief in you until you get your own. Is that a deal? You know, and I, I would say things like that and make them answer me back. You know, and, and I would get, you know, occasionally I would meet a leader that was, oh, you spend all this time with people. What if you spend all this time with people and they quit? I said, well, what if I don't spend time with them and they stay? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm big on mentoring. I'd much rather, you know, there's a lot of people that just want to recruit wide open and make a million bucks. Right. Yeah. You know, and maybe they've got 10,000 people that they're making a hundred bucks on. I'd rather I'd rather teach 10 people to make six figures. I'd rather spend time with 10 people and develop those people into leaders than to just put a bunch of people in, throw a bunch of mud against the wall and see what sticks and, and ignore people and look for people that can do it on their own. I, I couldn't do it on my own in the beginning. And uh, I didn't really have anyone close enough to me to actually mentor me. And so it's kind of like someone who grew up without a father and you just want to be the best dad ever. You know, yeah. it's that kind of feeling. So that's the way I feel about mentoring. I really want to spend time with people and develop people. And, and, and the biggest thing for me is to, is to see them walk the stage, right? I want to be the first one there to hug them when they come off the stage. You know, it's that kind of thing versus I don't want to be on the stage. I'd rather everybody else speak 
I'll speak, uh, but I'd rather see other people speak and see other people walk. Mm. So how do you uh, walk the line between, you know, not pushing a rope and staying in touch with people enough to. Yep. Yep. You you have to have a, a, again, this comes down to processes, right? You got to have a little process that you use. And the first thing I would like, if I sponsored you, I'd say, Paul, the first thing I want to, I want to tell you is that, you know, is that, you know, this is going to be more difficult than you think. It may take a little longer than you want, but I'm going to be here every step of the way. I'm going to ask you to do some very simple stuff. We're going to do it together and together we can, we can do anything. I said, but if, if you distance yourself from me early on, like if you don't follow through and maybe set up your, you know, your, your product order on a monthly order, if you don't show up on the trainings, you know, if, if you miss appointments with me when we're supposed to talk to somebody, I'm going to look at, at your, at your commitment to the business. And if, if your commitment doesn't match me, if you're not showing up, then I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to have to distance myself from you and say, that's cool. I still love you. Uh, but you know, when you're ready, let me know. Mm-hmm. Because that's so I, and I say, is, is that fair? And I'm going to say, if I'm going to make you say yes, because you have to commit to do the things I ask you to do, or I have to separate and you tell me when you're ready and I'm always going to be here. I'm never going to disown you, but I can't stay and try to motivate you. I can't mm-hmm. stay and try to make you do something you don't want to do. I'm looking for people that want to act now, face their comfort zone. Let me help them. And if that's you, I'll never leave you. And I'll know, I won't let you down. Awesome. I love it. Great, great, great answer. Um, so let me ask you a few other questions here that I have written down. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to ask you is, can you tell me about your morning routine? Because when I chatted with you one time, you said, Hey, I got this thing in the morning. I don't mess with it. It's pretty intense. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) so personal development is the theme of this podcast. So I'd love to hear about your morning routine. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've always been, I've always been either the uneducated guy. Cause obviously I didn't finish high school. I got kicked out of high school. So I've always felt like I needed extra prep to, uh, to learn. And when I got in the business, I'd never sold anything. And I was the quiet type. So I've always felt like I I'm underprepared. Right. And, uh, and you also see successful people talk about a power hour or first thing in the morning and doing meditation. And so I, I, I listen to successful people, Tony Robbins, whoever, right? And I just emulate them. So if they get up early, I'm going to get up early. Right? If they have a routine, I'm going to figure out a routine. So I get up. Uh, I have my my uh, energy drink and my and my shot of coffee, uh, and then I go straight into my visualizations because you know the mind to imprint the mind in the first 30 minutes of when you're awake or the last 30 minutes before you sleep is the is the biggest time you can impact your your mind for learning and retention. So I have a, a set of visualizations that I go through that uh, that prepare me for the day. And it's basically me visualizing what I call my perfect day. When I get up, how I'm going to feel, right? What, you know, how many people I'm going to approach? What kind of results do I want? You know, and, and feel it. And and so just this, the action plan, right? It's just like a, an athlete visualizing the shot or visualizing the putt, right? I'm I'm going through my perfect day and, and getting the feeling of, of that. And then I go out and attack the day. Hmm. So get the visualizations, you know, then I go, uh, then I go into a workout and I'm typically watching content on YouTube while I work out and I'm taking notes. So I do my personal development while I'm working out and, uh, and I'm, I'm about to get back into a lot of content. Like I've done a lot of content in the past, but I've been off while I was moving, you know, I moved, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be back and doing some, some heavy content starting next week. And I get my content from when I watch YouTube in the morning during my workouts. So my mindset, my visualizations, my workout, my fitness, 
my my prep, my content, everything is in the morning. And I don't let anybody interfere with that. I don't take appointments in the morning. I don't do calls in the morning. I don't talk to prospects uh, that are interested. I don't do anything until I get me right. And then I go attack my day. Perfect. How has the internet changed the game from when you were first getting started to today, both good and bad? Um, you know, the good part is that, that it leverages our time, you know, where you can actually be anywhere in the world. You know, you can be talking to someone on a, on a messenger video chat or a zoom anywhere on the planet for free, you know? And I, and back when I started, you, you know, you were cold calling and at 9 PM, you couldn't even call anybody because there was a, a no soliciting law. So if I got home at eight from my business, I had an hour to call and I had to stop, you know, I had to pay long distance charges if it was outside of Dallas. So, so the flexibility, the ability to reach people 24 hours a day, anywhere in the world for free is massive. Uh, also, I like, uh, you know, a lot of people are either old school and don't do any technology. And some people are just technology, right. And don't want to really meet people. Mm-hmm. And for me, the sweet spot's the middle. But there are things about old school that I'll never leave, the relationship part, you know, and, and, uh, and getting to know people and helping people. Um, but when we used to meet in person, you know, there was a feeling that you got. And so I only do video chats. Like uh, I have people that, that say, hey, I want you to do a three-way call with me. I won't do it. I won't do anything anymore that doesn't have face-to-face. And so I like to replace three-way calling with a video chat because it's like we're all at Starbucks. Yeah. And because I can tell you, I've done the research, you know, 97% of what people do, not 90, 93% of what people do comes down to we're hardwired for eye contact, for smiles, for posture, for tonality in your voice. All those things create trust and relationship mm-hmm. and yeah. move people to where they're influenced, right? If, if, if you're trying to get someone to, be, to believe in you and your team and what you're doing, you need to pull in all those factors. If you're just on the phone, you don't have hardly any of those, right? And they don't know who you are, what you look like, if you're smiling. You know, so I, I like to bring the video part of it that I won't do it a three-way call. But I'll just do the chat. So I, I pull this together. So it's kind of old school. And then I like to do events. Once, you know, the, the uh, pandemic's over, we'll be back to doing events. So I'd still tap into the, the relationship part, the, you know, the eye contact the and, and the events where I still have that old school feel but I can talk to a new person every 20 minutes anywhere in the world for free. So I use that leverage uh, in the technology realm. I love it. I had a team member ask me the other day, uh, you know, Hey, do you send voice messages to people on Facebook or is text? Okay. And I told them about how, when I messaged you, you said, Hey, let's pop on a zoom. And I said, why do you think he did that? And, and, you know, the way I explained it is because there's like levels of rapport, like in a text, you lose so much, you know, voice is a little better and video is a little better and face-to-face interaction in like in person, you know, that's the best. So I love that. How has the internet changed uh, the ability to build and hold a team together? If at all, like, is it harder now with the distractions and all the ads everywhere or not really? Yeah, well, I mean, I, if you if you have a culture where you do a lot of uh, interaction with people daily, you do video chats and you have events, you have a lot of the same structure that you had back in the old days. Mm. But in the old days, you know, if somebody were in your business, they rarely got called by someone and, and another business because people have call reluctance. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. So people would, would <laughs> reach out and call their whole list like that. 
but they'll do a Facebook post, tell everybody on the planet what they're doing, you know, because it's easier. And so that part is, is negative because you, you, you take the easy route, which is less productive. And then people get this, this, you know, the grass is greener, you know, that you get that kind of thing where people get approached by several deals a week. And back in the old days, you didn't get approached even yearly. Yeah. Temptation is higher. Um, People gravitate to the lowest common denominator and try to do something simple. And the easier something is, the less it works. You know, and so so those two things have have uh, factored the outcome down. But uh, I think overall, it's still a plus because the people that will do what you and I are doing and bring in the social part uh, and and have the face to face and still lead with the passion and leverage the technology, they're better off than somebody in the old days. Mm, I love it. And so to uh, combat the distraction and the approaches and the ads everywhere, would you say that? staying connected with people, having strong culture, you know, serving them, like, like, are those some of the things that would be good or would you recommend anything else? And teaching people, you know, everything's culture, right? So, and everything is a process. So part of your teaching, like I teach people, I say, look, um, and I hope this doesn't offend someone, but I say, look, new companies are like, there's a thousand new ones every year, right? Just know 99% of them go out of business. So, so just know the grass, even though it seems greener, you know, people that do new deals typically start over for the rest of their life. Yeah. It's really hard to pick the next legacy company and it's just your odds are one in a thousand. So I say, you know, so, so what I do is that when people, and, and I don't, I don't like, oh, you look at mine and I'll look at yours. I never do that. And I tell people, I say, don't do that. Be upfront with people and say, look, um, if, if you want to meet and talk about what I do, I'd love to meet with you. If not, I'm good. And I always tell them, I say, and leave with your flags flying, right? So so what you do is you say, look, when that doesn't pan out, I'm here for you. <laughs> Plant that seed, right? But don't look at their deal. And only get on if they're interested in your deal. And just te- make that part of your culture. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, hey, let me know when you fail and I'll be here to well, pick you up I, after. <laughs> no. you, you, can, you can soften that a little bit. Too, <laughs> yeah, if, it turns it. Out, if it turns out that it's, it's not as profitable as you think or you don't get there the you go. you need or something yeah. like that and you feel like you're, you're, you, you have the commitment that you're not, nobody's helping you, I'm here for you, right? I love so it. You, you can say it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, messaging is important, right? We have to say we definitely have to say it in the right way. Um, yeah. uh, so, on one of your quotes, I was looking through your Facebook photos. You know, uh, it said something about to find gold, you have to know where to dig. Uh, yeah. So, where do you dig? You know, for prospects. Yeah. Um, you know, I I look for people. That, and not everybody does this, but I like to look for network marketers. Because, you know, when you're when you're prospecting the general public, I mean, there's a lot of people that have a negative connotation to network marketing. And uh, and rather than debate that back and forth, trying to sell somebody on the industry, I like to find someone who's already sold on the industry. Yeah. You know, and I like to talk to people who have a little bit of experience, even if it's just a tiny bit. And, and also if they have a little team and they're not happy, you know, instead of one person coming over, you might have 10 people that come over. And so you have a leverage. Uh, you, you don't have to do as many battles uh, with people about explaining the industry or validating the industry. And you can leverage your efforts sometimes by by getting more than one person at one time and people that can just bring instant volume to you. Mm-hmm. 
And when you find someone, like let's say you're you know, looking through Facebook and you find someone that you want to connect with, how do you lead? Do you, you know, hey, you open to popping on a Zoom, right? Like right off the bat, do you, do you ask if they're open? Do you, you know, yeah, yeah tell us about your process there. I do a little, I don't do a lot of process because uh, it goes back to what I, what I heard, what I told you before with timing. So I know that I could, I could friend you, for example, and if you are in love with what you do, I could, I could communicate with you every day for the next 20 years. You're not going anywhere. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah. the relationship part is a little bit over sold, you know, Oh, you got to uh, do a relationship with people. Yeah. I take the little bit of relationship and a lot of action over a lot of relationships and a little action. Uh-huh. You know, so, so I'm going to connect with you. You know, thank you for the connection. You know, I'm, I'm going to see, uh, you know, hey, why don't we jump on a, on a Zoom or something, exchange some info. I, I like to hear people's stories about how they got in the business, you know, what their backstory is, you know, and, and, and I always put this little, little thing in there. And you never know what might happen in the future. Right. Mm. So I like yeah. to say that because, you know, what you'll find is if you just want to get on a cross swords with people, you know, it it's a waste of time and you'll find people that won't want, don't want to talk if they don't think they have a shot at you. So if you say it like that, what I'm really saying is I'm not going anywhere, you know, and, and at some point, if, if it's right for you, I'm going to be here. And Mm. they probably take it as a little bit of both, but I just want a conversation with people. Right. And uh, I just want to see what they're about, you know, why they get in the business, kind of what their process is. And, 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 uh, and I don't just prospect every single person. Uh, but I, after I connect with them and ask questions, you know, they usually ask me questions. And by the time we exchange info, uh, they know I know what I'm doing and I can help them. And if they're open, they typically come forward. If they if they don't, I'm not the kind of person I'm not going to call you 17 days in a row. <laughs> like my brother. <laughs> Right. I'm That's very much either. <laughs> I'm very much a sifter. Yeah. Right? I, don't sell, I sift and I'll keep moving because I know that there's a small percentage of people out there that that that, that are ready. And my odds are better if I keep moving to come across people that the timing is right than trying to convince and sell somebody. Yeah. Man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Um, What is the biggest business challenge you faced and how did you overcome it? And, and every business or just network marketing? Um, Let's do network marketing. Uh, The biggest challenge uh, was probably me and understanding the business. You know, when you think it's sales, when it's not, when you think mm-hmm. it's what you're saying versus how you feel, when you think you can convince somebody or say the perfect thing when it's really about timing, just the lack of understanding of what's going on, man, it's very frustrating. It takes an enormous amount of time and it can send you down lots of rabbit holes that make no sense and get you nowhere. So mm-hmm. I think understanding the business as much as you can, as you go along is more important than, uh, than just being relentless and talking to the same people. You know, I think one of the biggest problems people have in the industry is they spend, you know, a month or a year or two pulling together a small team of people and they spend mm-hmm. their whole career trying to get that, that small team of people to be leaders mm. instead of continuing to expand. Yeah. You know, you've got to keep, you know, you, you've got to lead by example and bring new people on or your team does it. Your team keeps your, your team. You don't have to even tell them what you're doing. They'll gravitate to what you do. Even if you don't tell them, you can even tell them you're doing something different. They'll still gravitate. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing, right? They just sense what you're doing. they do what you do no matter what. So you 
the right stuff or your team will duplicate what you're doing. As what Emerson said, men are wiser than they know. And they, they pick up on these things, you know, we, <laughs> yep. I love it. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's so good. Uh, one of the reasons that I continue to strive to produce is, is just because I want to set a good example and I want, yeah. want that to transfer over, you know, um, what, uh, what lights you up and helps you stay motivated? I mean, millionaire at 29, multiple seven figure earner retired, you know, twice, obviously you don't need the money, you know, yeah. like, yeah. What, what, what helps you do that? You know, uh, when I, when I finally, you know, cause this was all a process for me that I didn't, didn't, didn't plan all of it. So I got in the business to be free and then I figured out I've got to mentor people and systemize things so that people could produce enough so I could be free. And then, so I do all this and I get free. Yeah. And then I, after being free for almost a decade and, you know, doing all the, the stuff that you do when you, you know, you, your dream goals and knock off your bucket list, your house and cars and whatever. And then when you, then you feel, I felt a little bit empty. And it was really weird because uh, I didn't see myself as a mentor, but in the process of mentoring people so that I could get my outcome and by helping other people, it dawned on me that that I really that my passion to be free led me to my purpose, which was mentoring. And so connecting with people and helping people like the girl with the Cheerios, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. You know, because because the cool thing about network marketing, it's it's way better than than like athletics, because in athletics, your, your body at some point, you can't keep up with <laughs> right here. I mean, I'm an old guy, you know, so so you can do this, you know, 30, 40, 50 years if you want. And you can and you can help people. And so it's like it's kind of like if if you win a championship or your kids win a championship, which one feels better? It's always your kids. Oh, yeah. The kids for sure. Yeah. So so helping people rank and get their goals is like they're like my kids. And so I get to live through that over and over and over. And that's what floats my boat more than anything is, is uh, that feeling when people don't know they can do it and then they get it done. And then you see that spark and they just become these, these leaders that they had no idea that that was in them. That's, that's the cool part. Mm. There's more than money to be found in the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, isn't there? Yep. Big time. Yeah. The money, you see a lot of really wealthy people that are miserable. So it's yeah. not, it's not, and, you, and if, you, if someone's never had money, they think money's going to fix everything, you know, and, and you probably heard this in, in the business early that people said, you know, the money's great, but at some point uh, there's not a check that can really excite you, mm -hmm. but, yeah. but the relationships are worth a billion dollars. The relationships are worth more than the money. And I used to say, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because I hadn't experienced a lot of relationships yet. I, I paid people to talk to people and I wasn't a mentor. So I didn't know what that world was like. Uh, and once you discover it, it's, it's everything. Yeah. And if you could, if, if you're at the beginning part of the journey, one of the things is you want to just jump to the money as fast as possible. And what that causes you to do is skip over the relationships or do yeah. relationships wrong. And if you could really understand that truth that you just laid out, the journey would be so much more rewarding and fulfilling, you know, on the way to the money and beyond. Yep. So yep. that is, that is so good. Um, uh, when you retired, was that purely from your business income or was it a combination of what you're in business and then like reinvesting the money that you made? Uh, at that time it was all network marketing residual. Yeah. Cause I was, because awesome. uh, I had taken my business money that I got from selling my business. I kind of went through that. Obviously I wouldn't have refinanced my house five times. 
So you go through that. So I was, so that was all residual income, you know, and, and, you know, getting out of debt and just, you know, and, and all just, you know, when you have that kind of cash flow, you know, and there's no overhead, you know, and, and if your teams are pretty automated and you've got systems set up, I mean, it's just, it's like a trust fund almost, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, I highly recommend it to people. <laughs> you have no idea what it's like to just know when you wake up and you just have this crystal clear head and there's no stress and there's no place to be. And you just turn to your significant other or your, and say, what do you want to do today? Mm. You know, when you can do that every day for as long as you want, uh, it's the coolest ever. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. Freedom, yeah. right? To, to, to total freedom. <laughs> yep. And the company that you're with didn't have like ongoing production quotas or anything like that where you were kind of tied to continuing production? No, it was about uh, having a certain amount of legs, you know, and so if you okay. drive your legs and solidify your legs, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, any type of quota. Okay, cool. Who's been your best mentor and why? You know, I didn't really have a, a, a relationship with a mentor. It's it's all been external stuff. I've, uh, mm -hmm. It's me watching, you know, and listening to Mark Darnell, watching and listening to Tony Robbins you know, things like that. So I, I've had to sort of get that from other places because I didn't have anyone close to me that, that would spend time with me. Yep. that's uh, And that's an important part to realize about mentorship. A lot of times people think that, well, you're only my mentor if we're talking on the phone three times a day or, or whatever. And what you just said, that's my experience as well. Like, yeah, I have had a few mentors where I was closely connected with, but most of my best mentors, I read about them in a, I read what they wrote in a book or I watched them on a video and never, never knew them. They died, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a great, great, great point. How about um, books? Is there a favorite book that has impacted you in a deep way? And and yeah, I, I did quite a few uh, seminars and books back in the day, but uh, since then I've just strictly done a lot of YouTube and stuff. So so uh, I mean I, I'm real old school. So so Think and Grow Rich, you know, is is uh, is a biggie. The Bible, obviously, you know, Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, you know, and you know, so a lot of the old school books because to me personal development, if you, if you study Think and Grow Rich, everybody that teaches anything today, it's rooted in Think and Grow Rich. I mean, you mm -hmm. literally can take everything that's said and everything that's done. It's, it was there a hundred years ago. And so I love Think and Grow Rich. It's the, it's created more millionaires than any book on the planet. So that if you have that and get the original version, right? Not the new updated version. I like, I like to see exactly what, what Napoleon Hill wrote when he wrote it. I don't want the new version. I want what he wrote. 1937 edition, right? Yep. I love it. You and me are brothers. I love, love, love that book. <laughs> so, in my in my delivery company, that when I, the one that took all my time and almost killed me, <laughs> my driver was was uh, in between deliveries, and he was at a little little garage uh, uh, garage sale, and he brought me an original 1937 hardback copy of Think and Grow Rich, he bought it for 50 cents. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Was it the red cover with the little yeah, exactly. top hat on the front? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned YouTube. Are there some favorite YouTube channels that you follow or how do you, how do you find your YouTube content that you listen to? You know, I, I, uh, I watch, I do a lot of stuff with, uh, with Kiyosaki and Tony Robbins and, you know, and so I like business concepts Versus, you know, because if you watch network marketers, I watch some network marketers, but they're telling you the same stuff you kind of already know. 
Yeah. So it's hard to think outside the box. And, you know, if you're going to create content, you know, and I'm an entrepreneur first, I'm really an entrepreneur more than I'm a network marketer. And, uh, and so I like concepts by business people that I can take and relate it to network marketing. So it keeps it fresh for me versus mm. the same old do this, then do this, then do this. I already know all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same. <laughs> so yeah. I love that advice. Yep. Uh, we, 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 we don't want to be bored as we're, <laughs> you know, as we're doing what we're doing. So yeah, Gary V and Grant Cardone. And, you know, I mean, so all, all the guys that are big in business that, that teach things that I can apply to network marketing and put a little different spin on it. Awesome. What advice would you give to your younger self? Like if you could go, if you could go back to the Tim that, you know, uh, put his business for sale and went all in in network marketing that first day, you know, what, what would you tell yourself? You know, focus more on, on the passion and the feeling and talking to a lot of people instead of trying to figure out the perfect way. Hmm. You know, cause I spent the first three years or so trying to figure out the perfect way to do it. And if I had just, took action with passion and feeling, I'd have figured it out probably in six months. I love it. Great advice. Do you have a favorite quote? Um, or set? Uh, you know, I have a couple of quotes. I'm trying to think of them, right? You know, when you hit me like that, sometimes I can't think of them, but, uh, there's, there's no defense against an excellent, that makes a meets a pressing public need. There's no defense against an excellence that meets a pressing public need. So network marketing is a public need, right? People, they're tired of their jobs. They hate their jobs. They've been laid off. Corporations are, aren't going to let them retire. You got the pandemic. You got all kinds of things that you have no control of your life. And corporations are getting to where they don't even want to do benefits, right? Uh, pretty quickly, people are going to be independent contractors and there's going to be no value to having a job. So, so, there's no defense against network marketing. You know, there's so many people that are unhappy. If you just if you just practice on getting a passion for network marketing and talking to people about their life and where, where you could help them be, you know, you can't be stopped. Network marketing can, and, and another thing, AI and stuff like that is going to ruin a lot of businesses. You can never replace people in network marketing because of, it's a relationship business. Mm. That is actually very profound. Um, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of, you know, tech people say that you want to be in something that can't be replaced by a robot. And as far as we can tell, human to human relationships, you know. Imagine you talking to a robot right now or me talking to a robot right now in this, in this interview. What's that? <laughs> Imagine me. One of us is a robot right now. And we're trying to do this interview, right? Right. Not so good. <laughs> Not so good. <laughs> Oh, um, I had one last network marketing question, and then uh, I want to give you some time to say anything you want to say, closing words of inspiration, anything like that. Um, how important is retention, both from looking at a company and or managing your team? Do you focus on it? Do you pay attention to it? Do you be aware of it? What, what would your thoughts be on that? Topic? I mean, retention is super important. Uh, there's two, two, two aspects of retention. One, obviously, is quality of products, right? If you've got great products that people stay on, you got to have that. Otherwise, it's just a revolving door. If people can't, don't stay on your products, and don't love the products, doesn't matter how good you are, right? You're, you're kind of done. And on the people side, again, build relationships because if you build relationships with people, uh, they don't get treated well at their job. They don't get encouraged at their job. They don't have a chance to, to make five times, 10 times what they make at their job. So 
the relationship, if you if you keep that tight, people will stay with you. So you got to have a great relationship with your team and you got to have great products. And if you have those two things, you don't have to worry too much about retention. Mm, very good. Thank you so much for that, Tim. Any closing words of uh, inspiration or insight, anything we missed that you'd love to pass along to people? Yeah, I guess probably the, the number one thing is that, you know, if, if you're looking at this and you're wondering, can I do this? You know, or am I cut out for this? Or uh, if I've done this before, you know, just know that that I'm a quiet guy. I didn't graduate high school. I never sold anything. I'm sure you have some similar uh, characteristics in, in on your side. So this is really about just having a passion and a, and, and, a, and a love for freedom in people. And if you have that and you've got that good product and you spend time with people, you can't fail. I mean, it's mathematically impossible to fail if you just keep putting info out. I always tell people this, this little scenario here. I said, look, people don't understand the numbers. I'm a numbers guy. So I said, if you talk, let's say you reach out to take, take one minute to reach out to 10 people, right? right? Do that five days a week. In a year, it's 13,000 people. Mm. You think you might find one or two that's, that are good? You, you have to, right? Yeah. But here's, the, here's the kicker. We're, it's a leverage business. And so if you teach that concept, you know, if those people do that same thing, right? And you, you, you teach those people to do it again. You're, you're talking about, you know, 130,000 people. You know, if, if, if and, and then 1.3 million people as it duplicates. So if you duplicate something simple like that, you know, that's how I succeeded in my first company is that we put out massive amounts of information and we had great products and a great system and great people. So if you get massive amounts of information out at some point, it's impossible to, fa to fail. So so just get information out, have a passion, duplicate it and teach it, you know, and, and don't stop. If you don't stop. 90% of the people who stay with one company for, for 10 years are at the top. Where else do you have a 90% chance of being a millionaire that with a recurring income? It doesn't exist anywhere else. Say that stat one more time. 90% of the people that stay with a company 10 years are at the top of a pay plan. 90%. Wow. So I've never heard that before. It's a fact. Most people quit before that. So if you stay long enough, I mean, people aren't going to stay and not do something, right? So just the tenacity of staying, you know, you can become a millionaire. Amazing. I love it so much. Tim, <laughs> this has been incredible. We've had some great feedback from our live viewers. Thank you so much. How do people connect with you, with you if they want to learn more from you or, you know, have a connection? Yeah, just connect with me, Tim Edwards, uh, on, on uh, Facebook, and you'll see the thing there, that, that thing, you know, the, the, the uh, scoop is my, my old uh, uh, image there. And, and uh, it says, uh, you know, finding nuggets, to the, the gold quote. So just check with me, Tim Edwards, on, on Facebook is the easiest way. All right. Well, thanks again, Tim. And thanks to everyone listening. We love you. We believe in you. We know you've got greatness within you. Get out there, take action, go for your dreams. And we'll hear you in the next episode of the Paul Hutchings Podcast. Hey there, my friend. This is Paul Hutchings. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope this has been a great investment into your better future. To make sure that you don't miss out on future episodes and bonus content, please visit paulhutchings.net and click the podcast link in the menu bar to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and whatever you do, always go for your dreams.